Welcome to the podcast of Leeds First Methodist Church. We are so glad you decided to tune in with us today. The following sermon was preached by Pastor Chris, and it is the first sermon in our church's Victory in Jesus series. If you would like to watch the entire worship service, you can do so by visiting our website at leadsfirst.org, and at the top of the page, go to Worship and click on Watch Worship Online. I did this week something that's become a bit of a tradition. I go to see the movie that's associated with Easter. I don't know. Do y'all do that? You might have heard of this one, 80 for Brady. Is that the... (laughs) That has nothing to do with Easter. Somehow that's the one my family and I watched on Friday night, I guess. It's some 80-year-olds that become fans of Tom Brady and the beloved or hated New England Patriots, whatever your case may be, and they gather up to go to what they think might be his final Super Bowl. And it's their kind of corny story about going to the Super Bowl. And it brought back a bad memory because it was Super Bowl 51 where the Falcons, my beloved Falcons, anybody grow up Falcons fans? Nobody? Y'all didn't want Well, it was all that we could watch when I was growing up because we just had antenna. But anyway, the Falcons were leading that Super Bowl 28 to 3. 28 to 3, and the stinking Tom Brady led Patriots came back and won 34 to 28, the greatest or largest comeback in Super Bowl history. Have you ever been part of a a team that was down at halftime? Like, or trailing going into the fourth quarter come back from a deficit I remember a time in my life I was on our freshman football team and we had been undefeated through the whole season and went to the championship game and went into that championship game undefeated think we're gonna be good and it was like that we were leading through most of the first half into the second half even into the fourth quarter still held a lead but with four minutes left they scored the go-ahead touchdown. And not only did they score the go-ahead touchdown, I was playing a kind of like, I don't know, outside linebacker or something, and I got through the line and was chasing down the quarterback, and one of the other offensive linemen did, I think it's called like a crackback block or something, I don't know, and I was going to get the quarterback just before he scored, and he come back and just, like, knocked me silly, literally, And I remember after the play was over, they went ahead. I was sitting there like this. And when my teammates come up to me, it's going to be help. It's like, get your head up. We're still in this. We got a chance. Don't give up. And I said, I can't hardly hold my head up. I can't even hardly see straight. But we didn't give up. Not because of what I did, but because we had a quarterback I think was faster than their quarterback. He broke free and with 23 seconds left, scored the go-ahead touchdown. And we held on to win it feels good to win but when we face the deficit in fact in life we can have times where we face a big deficit right a time whenever we're behind it feels like all hope is lost maybe whenever you've lost a job maybe whenever the house was foreclosed Maybe even when you've lost to death a loved one or a friend, you think there's no hope in sight. Even times in our faith journey, we can feel like that. Like there's no hope. 
all may be lost, especially when we put our faith in the wrong things. When we put our things in the peripheral of faith instead of the core, like if we put our faith in the, the name or the denomination of a church, or maybe even in the building where a church meets, or maybe even in the people or the members or even a pastor, and they let us down, it can shake our faith. On that first Easter Sunday, we know of the story of those early followers of Jesus who had their faith shaken. You see, when Jesus was on earth living his earthly ministry, he taught with the wisdom of God and people followed him because of that. Jesus healed and performed miracles with the power and love of God and people followed him. But when he was arrested, when he was tried and when he was hung on the cross, the people that were following him for that earthly success began to wonder, oh no, oh no. Even those closest followers of Jesus, many of them missed when he said, my kingdom is not of this world. Easter is the story of the greatest comeback in the history of the world. Jesus, who was crucified on Friday, who laid in a tomb, received the victory. The victory of Jesus. And that tomb was empty. Hear these words from Matthew 28. Early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to visit the tomb. Then the angel spoke to the women, don't be afraid. He says, I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Just as he said would happen, come and see the place where his body was lying. And now go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. He is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Remember what I have told you. And so following the resurrection of Jesus, his followers, the New Testament church, as we often refer to them, use the Psalms as a guide to help them not lose the sight of God's power ever again. They use the Psalms to guide them in worship in response to the truth of the resurrection of Jesus. In fact... It gave them joy to remember what God had done even when they faced persecution, when they sometimes faced arrest, when they sometimes faced the threat of death. So today, it's from that context. We look into this Psalm 118. The words are going to be on the screen, but if you've got a Bible, I invite you to open it or to open your app if you've got it on your phone to Psalm 118. 18. I'm going to read verses 1 and 2 and then go down to 14 through 24. This is the New Living Translation if you want to set your app to follow along word for word. Psalm 118 verse 1 reads, Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Let all Israel repeat his faithful love endures forever. Verse 14. 
The Lord is my strength and my song. He has given me victory. Songs of joy and victory are sung in the camp of the godly. The strong right arm of the Lord has done glorious things. The strong right arm of the Lord is raised in triumph. The strong right arm of the Lord has done glorious things. I will not die. Instead, I will live to tell what the Lord has done. The Lord has punished me severely, but he did not let me die. Verse 19, open for me the gates where the righteous enter, and I will go in and thank the Lord. These gates lead to the presence of the Lord, and the godly enter there. I thank you for answering my prayer and giving me victory. Verse 22, the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing, and it is wonderful to see. This, this is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. This is the word of God for the people of God, and we say, this Psalm 118 began to be used in prominent worship by the Hebrew people before Jesus came to earth in the post-exilic, I think I say that right, era. That means post-exile. So after the Hebrew people had been taken to Babylon, served a penance or whatever you want to call it to get right with God, and then he let them come back to Jerusalem, to their home country in Israel. And as they're anticipating God's future, even the promise of a Messiah, they use this psalm and others to remind them of the good works that God had done in their past. Y'all may remember the Israelites were enslaved in Egypt and God delivered them, did this great big thing like parting the Red Sea so they could cross and it crashed in on the trailing Israelite, or Egyptians. And so they use this to both remember the power of God and also to look to the promise of God's Messiah or God's promised one and the hope he would bring. Now, after the resurrection of Jesus, the New Testament church looked to this same song and sung it or recited it with joy. For example, beginning in verse 17, it reads, I will not die instead. I will live to tell what the Lord has done. That's the hope of the resurrection. That's the hope of the resurrection on that first Easter Sunday for Jesus. And it's the hope of resurrection for everyone, for me, for you, and everyone who puts their faith in Jesus. It's the core of what it means when you hear preachers like me to say, hey, put your faith or believe in Jesus. What is it that you're believing in? I'm inviting you to believe that Jesus was who he said he was, the Son of God. That he did what he said he would do, that he die and he would rise from that grave and he did it. In fact, he did what no one had done before and what no one has done since. You can trust Jesus and above all things you can trust Jesus. Above all other people you can trust Jesus. You can trust him that when he says he'll forgive your sins, he will forgive your sins. You can trust him whenever he says he'll take away the punishment for that sin, eternal separation from God eternally in hell he'll do it you can trust him when he says he'll give you eternal life with god in heaven he will do it let's look now at what a joyous life we may have in claiming the promises in this 
psalm if you got a worship bulletin i invite you to take it out there's some points i'll go through a place for you to take notes or fill in the blank i hope that'll be helpful to you as you reference this as you go through your life maybe apply it even this week number one joyous life you can have a joyous life you can have Verse 14 reads, the Lord is my strength and my song. He has given me victory. He has given me victory. Do you know what the biggest joy kill is? Seeking happiness from something you can lose. That's the biggest joy kill in your life. Do you know what the greatest step to having true joy? Finding it in something that can never be taken away don't pursue joy in a bank account don't pursue your joy in an athletic success don't pursue joy in your career or romance because god never promised you success in any of those things what god does promise is to give you salvation to give you joy and eternal victory key word in this verse the verb has given in the original hebrew in the psalm it's hayah anybody ever said hayah y'all remember that like when your kids doing karate chops on your siblings hayah i don't think that's the same word but it sounds the same so maybe you'll remember hayah it means to become or come to pass or bring to pass in other words god's already brought the victory in Jesus it's already happened all you got to do is receive that gift you don't have to fight for it you don't have to win it it's already been won that's the good news of Easter WB Fitzgerald summarized our Methodist distinctives in the aspect of salvation with what we sometimes call the four alls a l l four alls not overalls four alls anybody grow up on a farm all right all right four alls the first all is that all need to be saved the second all is all can be saved the third all is all can know they are saved and the fourth all is all can be saved to the uttermost all right publishing partner seedbed describes the first all as a restatement of paul's words in romans 3:23. y'all have heard this all have sinned and fall short of the glory of god all need the salvation no exceptions from riches to poorest from the best intentions to the most evil person everyone needs to be saved for all have sinned the second all is the affirmation that god loves the world all can be saved you remember this from john three sixteen. for god so loved the world everyone there's no barrier there's no obstacle to god's salvation to those who wish will receive and be saved the third all is about our faith as an experience a direct awareness of the supernatural reality that we are saved we can know we're saved and loved as a child of God and the fourth all they go on to say articulates our Methodist doctrine 
of Christian perfection. That God intends to sanctify us entirely, to not leave us in that evil state, but to move us to be more and more like Jesus, even to be perfect in our love to God and to others. All can have victory in Jesus. Number one, a joyous life you can have. Number two, a joyous life you can celebrate. Number two, a joyous life you can celebrate. Psalm 118 verse 15 reads, Songs of joy and victory are sung in the camp of the godly. The strong right arm of the Lord has done glorious things. Y'all like to eat? Anybody want to? Got an amen. All right, it is Easter. Methodists saying amen. Let's they all do it. Amen. amen. All right. When I eat, I like for my food to be delicious. Anybody else? Amen. I got a second one. On the count of three, I want y'all to just say what your favorite food is. Just shout it out. One word. Don't, if it takes a sentence, don't say that. On the count of three, everybody say it. Ready? One, two, three. Ribeye steak. I heard ribeye steak. Anybody else? There we go, me and you. Our food's delicious. Have you ever been in a moment whenever your taste buds didn't work? Like you had a cold, head cold or something you couldn't taste? Or maybe some more severe medical or something wrong and you couldn't taste? <sighs> That's awful, isn't it? Miss out on food? Like a donut, right? When you can't taste it. Just work. I had my wisdom teeth, two of my wisdom teeth taken out a few months ago. It wasn't that bad. Couldn't eat much. But because of the stuff they put in my, to numb it all, I couldn't taste for like two or three days. So even the little stuff I could eat, the, I eat all the ice cream in your want and you can't even taste it. It's awful. I had to go through the two weeks of you can't eat stuff and couldn't hardly taste anything good. So at the end of the two weeks, y'all, I splurged. I'm going to eat something good, right? I spent more money on that first meal after I could eat. <laughs> it was good. Right, I think I'm still paying for it in my wallet and maybe in my waistline. But faith without celebration is like eating without being able to taste it. You can be saved. Know the reality that Jesus saved you, but if you don't celebrate it and worship in a lifestyle that knows it and others can know it, you're missing out. It's like eating without being able to taste. You see, following Jesus is not some burdensome life or some life that you'll be like, oh no, it's a joy-filled or celebration in life. In fact, Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. That's something to celebrate. He went on to say, take my yoke upon me, upon you, and let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. That's something to celebrate. He goes on, for my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. That's something 
to celebrate. Following Jesus is a life, an invitation to celebrate. If you've been saved, tell your face and smile. Amen? Yeah. Y'all still thinking about it? Well, fine. Just cut off your tongue and don't live a life of celebration. Or celebrate and enjoy the life of faith God has given you and let it be known. A joyous life that you can celebrate. Number three, a joyous life renewed with gratitude. Joyous life renewed with gratitude. Verse 21 says, I thank you for answering my prayer and giving me victory. Giving me victory, I thank you. Psalm 118 is categorized as a, a psalm of thanksgiving. It was most likely originally used in a community setting, maybe even nationwide, maybe even pronounced or led by the king and saying, this is something for which we can be thankful for when we follow Jesus. Now, you are not likely to be in that position of leadership. Anybody here a king? President? Governor? I don't know if you want to be. But no, you can absolutely lead your own life to be renewed by having gratitude for what Jesus has done for you. You can decide to set aside a time each day to express that in a journal or through prayer that says, God, I am thankful you saved me. I'm thankful for everything and anything I have that I know comes from you. You can decide to live a life that's transformed by gratitude. Then, with whatever influence you have with others, lead that gratitude with them. If you're a parent, model and lead your kids to have an attitude of gratitude through prayer and worship of God. If you're a spouse, model that for your spouse. If you lead in our church, model that by showing up and praying. And when you gather with your serve team or your grow group, pray and, and lead into the endeavor of spiritual journey. The heart and attitude of gratitude in prayer then whatever influence you have out there maybe you've got a job where you have influence maybe you're a leader in our community or state or nation or even in the world i invite you to model all your words all your actions to where you live where people can see the resurrection of jesus in you let this easter be a moment of renewal for you Will you believe in a life that's rooted in the joy that Jesus can give? That you celebrate that and that you model and exhibit that gratitude so that others around you might know the faith that has transformed you. For he is risen. He is risen indeed. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for the blessing of Jesus and thank you for the, the promise that we can have salvation, we can have a life of joy no matter our circumstance. God, give us a heart that celebrates that. God, where our face is scowled because of the hurt or loss we've experienced in life or even the deficit we face. God, give us a joy. 
celebrate the good news. And God, let us remember moment by moment, day by day, and express our gratitude, our worship, our prayer to you that we know and are thankful for the victory you have given us. It's in Jesus' powerful and holy name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We would love for you to visit us in person at 8.45 a.m. for modern worship or at 11 a.m. for traditional worship. If you would like to plan a visit, simply text the word CONNECT to the number 205-772-4906 and you'll be sent a link to get you started. Thanks again, and God bless.